The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. now <laughs> how are you now the long one your montreal canadians win in a shootout two to one over the calgary flames hello and welcome to episode 28 of the bottom six minutes podcast presented by habs eyes and the prize i am matt drake and that was a wild ride for, for a game that was 1-1 <laughs> at the end of 60 minutes usually that tells you it was a shitty game. In almost 100% of the cases, when you go 1-1 all the way through regulation, not that it was 1-1 for the entire regulation, but when that when all you get is two goals through 60 minutes from two teams, you typically watched a shitty game, <laughs> a boring game. That one was not boring. There's a lot to get to. Uh, this episode could end up going a little bit longer than I typically like to go because there's a lot to discuss that, that happened there. Some good... Uh, some bad and, and some definitely concerning, um, but we'll get to it. We'll get to all of it, and it all starts with the first period, which, I'll be honest with you, um, pretty surprisingly good for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, through the first 10 minutes, for sure, they were the better team. Uh, more shots, better chances. They're out shooting them after 10 minutes, like 9-5 to five or something. Not by a wide margin, but by enough of a margin, you know, having watched the Habs the last few games, that you're impressed at the very least, right? I know it's the Flames. They're not one of the league leaders or anything like that, but still, they're a better team on paper, and it was nice to see the Habs um, be the better team for at least 10 minutes. Uh, both teams had a failed power play in, the, in those first 10 minutes, and then the second half of the period, uh, it got a little bit more even. Uh, the Flames started getting back into that shot total battle a little bit, but by the end of the period, 13-10 to 10 in favor of the Montreal Canadiens. Both teams hit a post, Tyler Toffoli, hit the post for the Flames, and Cole Caulfield rang one off the crossbar for Montreal. Uh, pretty tight. Could be 1-1, but we're 0-0. And I don't think anybody necessarily deserved to have a lead after that period. I think it was actually pretty close, pretty entertaining, given no goals. Uh, we get into the second period, pretty even start to the period. Uh, they're kind of going back and forth, but we do get a scary moment. And it's our first, you know, very concerning thing from this game. Uh, Cole Caulfield chasing down a loose puck. He's curling towards this high slot in uh, the defensive zone to try and pick it up. But so is Trevor Lewis, and they're curling in opposite directions. Trevor Lewis is a much larger individual than Cole Caulfield, and Cole Caulfield gets smoked. Um, he goes down. Uh, he got up and skated off on his own power, but he would leave the game, presumably for the concussion protocol, and did not return. So more on that later. But I will say before I even get to it, I don't blame Trevor Lewis for that one. I'll talk about it a little bit more at the end of the recap. Uh, but on the same play, Kirby Doc takes an interference penalty. And, of course, it's costly. Point shot gets blocked 
uh, it's kind of skittles out to the other side of the net and Jonathan Huberdeau is just standing there waiting for it and uh, Jake Allen's down puts it up over him one nothing for the Flames um, Habs get another opportunity to try and get it back more power play time uh, Noah Hannafin to the box and then they get a puck over the glass penalty so it's a five on three for the Habs for a minute and 40 and they do nothing with it absolutely fucking nothing we go into the third period still with a one nothing lead for the Calgary Flames. But the Habs, to start that third period, come out. They come out absolutely screaming, trying to get the equalizer. Full court press. They're buzzing. They're getting chances left, right, and center. Uri Slavkovsky curls, coming up the wall. Right, He's coming up the half wall towards the point. He curls back, spots Josh Anderson out in front, puts a perfect pass tape to tape. Josh Anderson bangs it in. It's 1-1. From there on out, they just trade chances for the rest of the third. I mean, it got, it was it was exciting. Like I said, the most exciting 1-1 game after 60 minutes that you'll ever watch. They're going back and forth, both goaltenders putting on a show. Really, it was just, it was a question of which goaltender is going to let up first, and neither of them did. Uh, they were all over that game, um, really left their mark. Neither team had an easy time putting pucks in the net. The only two that actually went in were unstoppable, completely unstoppable. We go into overtime. Overtime, very shortly into that overtime, a four-minute high-sticking call on uh, Toffoli. I think it was Toffoli. Either way, doesn't matter. Four minutes for high-sticking. So basically the entire overtime is played at four-on-three in favor of the Montreal Canadiens, and they get their chances. They do. They had lots of chances. Um, they, they didn't look terrible. It's not like they were giving up chances against. They did have one close chance against with like a weird play where Jake Allen came out of his net. Um, and I think it was uh, Backstrom that was in the offensive zone and almost had a shot at like a wide open cage, but they got back and defended it. But it was actually not bad. They just couldn't score. You know, if Cole Caulfield was out there, they would have scored and the game would have been over in that overtime during that penalty. But he wasn't and they didn't. So where do we go? We go to the shootout. And the shootout. First up, Rem Pitlick. He tries the Saku Koivudik and he misses the net completely. Jonathan Huberdeau is up next. He shoots, and he sneaks it five-hole on Jake Allen. Nick Suzuki goes next for the Habs. He does his favorite move, which is that Datsuk, that slow drift from right to left where he just kind of flips it up at the last minute, and Markstrom knew. Markstrom clearly knew that that's exactly what he was going to do, and he still couldn't stop it. He gets a little piece of it with the bottom of his glove, but it still sneaks in between the glove and the pad. Nick Suzuki is the fucking truth. We're tied up in the shootout. And then it's Anderson for the Flames. He gets stopped by Jake Allen. And then Kirby Doc, the third shooter for the Habs, comes in, deeks, roofs a snapshot past Jacob Markstrom. And then it's Nazem Kadri. He needs to score to keep this thing alive. He tries to go five-hole on Jake Allen, but he is stopped, and the Montreal Canadiens win. What a game. Again, I'm, I'm going to say it for the third time. I have never seen a 1-1 game after 60 minutes end up being that entertaining that was great i loved that there was a lot of hitting uh some of the hitting caused some issues we saw a lot of injuries in that game as well aside from cole caulfield i mean chris tanev took a puck directly to the side of the head what in the second period i think um and he left the game as well and did not come back that was a scary moment um definitely heart goes out to chris tanev i hope he's okay um that looked ugly it looked even uglier than caulfield's 
And um, even Nazem Kadri had to leave the game briefly because he ran into Nick Suzuki uh, near the blue line. And that one, I know some people think Nick Suzuki did it on purpose and he was going for the hit. I really think he was trying to avoid the contact there. I don't think he was trying to hit Kadri. Um, But Kadri did come back to the game, so he was okay. The two people who left were Tanev and, of course, Cole Caulfield. Now, being that this is a Habs podcast, I'm obviously going to spend a little bit more time talking about that Caulfield hit. Um, Again, I do not blame Trevor Lewis. And if anybody is blaming him, I would implore you, like, take a look at it again. Lewis is just kind of cutting through the faceoff circle. That puck is loose, and Caulfield comes out of nowhere. And it, it doesn't even look like he's trying to hit him. It looks like, if anything, he just braced for impact. He doesn't really get any head contact, but as we know when it comes to concussions, or <laughs> I shouldn't say as we know, what do I know? I'm not a doctor. I should probably shut up. Um, but I've, I've had concussions before, so I can tell you, you don't always have to get hit in the head to have a concussion. It looked like, and, and again, this is me armchair doctoring it from my office. Um, it, it looked like he, he was concussed. Just the way he was reacting, the way he was moving, that it kind of screamed concussion to me. And this is, again, armchair doctoring it. I have no medical experience. I can only speak from my experience of having concussions in the past. Um, it it kind of looked to me like somebody who had a conky. So I, I hope that's not the case. The Habs, of course, as they tend to do, uh, they just said it was an upper body injury. We know them. They're never going to come out and say it's a concussion. Uh, unless I maybe if they really wanted to get somebody suspended because they uh, they felt like it was a suspendable hit. But in this case, there's nothing there. And you know the Habs. They're tight-lipped about these things anyways. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's unfortunate. You just have to hope that Caulfield's going to be ready to go soon. Uh, like I said, in that overtime period when they had those power play or that power play, or even when they had that, that five on three, you know, at the end of the second period, I think they score on either one of those if Caulfield's on the ice. That much time and space with Cole Caulfield, you're going to score. I, we know their power play sucks, right? Their power play did not help them on this night whatsoever. They had plenty of opportunities. Um, they, they did a pretty good job in the penalty kill in their own end, but the, the power play opportunities were just, you know, as usual, you knew they weren't going to score. You knew it even more when Cole Caulfield was off the ice. Then it's, it's, it's a non-starter. You, you know right away, but Calgary can do whatever they want. And it honestly kind of showed in the way Calgary was playing. Like, they were committing a lot of stick infractions. The Habs got a lot of opportunities, and they could have had even more if the rest were calling it to their standard, which we know they don't do. Uh, we know they don't do that. And I'm not going to turn this into a complaint about the refs. I actually thought they did a pretty decent job in that game. They just they did miss a lot of stick infractions, a lot of them. And I think... Calgary knew that number one, Montreal doesn't have a very good power play. And number two, their best power play player is not on the ice. He's in the room going through the protocol. So I think they started taking a little bit of liberties because they, they had a good feeling that, you know, they could kind of get away with some of them and the ones that they don't get away with. Well, you know, we can kill off the penalty and we're pretty confident that we're going to get that done. So, uh, shit, man, really unfortunate. Um, hoping to see Cole Caulfield back on the ice Wednesday night. But, you know, if he's not ready to go, I hope they hold him out because the last thing we need is uh, derailing this guy's hot start to his season um, or derailing his career by putting him back on the ice before he's ready to go. It's a development year. It's a rebuild year. Don't risk him. Now, on to maybe some more positive notes from the game. Uh, your, your, Your player of the game, 
Gotta love how I almost said silver lining of the night there. Um, started to say it. I was kind of expecting them to lose that game. But your player of the game is Uri Slavkovsky. Uh, what a game from him. You know, it's interesting. You look at that goal that Josh Anderson scored and how it was set up by, by Slavkovsky. And it was very reminiscent of some videos that have surfaced recently of Slavkovsky working at practice with Adam Nicholas. Specifically the video where they're working on the boards. And he's kind of showing them how to... You know, handle the puckle on the boards, uh, but keep his awareness going. Keep his vision. Keep his vision, you know, lined up in the right direction. And it, it was extremely reminiscent of what he'd been working on. Cuts up the boards towards the blue line, peels back, spots Anderson, makes the pass, and the pass was beautiful. That was a beautiful pass. Could not have put that better, tape to tape, for Anderson to get the goal. Uh, and he was really great all game. The one thing that frustrated me. The one thing that had me almost screaming at my television was the fact that he did not get very much power play time. And when he did get power play time, those were the best stretches that the Habs had with the man advantage. You know, outside of Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki, I think he's their best power play player. I think they need to start giving him more time. I don't know if the answer is to put him on that top unit with Nick Suzuki, but I'll tell you this much. If Cole Caulfield's not good to go on Wednesday, that's what I want. I want him up on that top unit because I really think that he could make a difference where Cole Caulfield can't. And I'm not saying Cole Caulfield can't do what he does. Cole Caulfield's a very effective power play player. What I'm saying is if Cole Caulfield's not available, you got to let Slavkowski take that spot and take those minutes. It was so frustrating to watch that four-minute power play in overtime, and I don't think they put him on the ice for more than 30 seconds. I don't know. It, it might have even been less than 30 seconds. I'm not sure. It wasn't enough is, is what I'm trying to say. I would have liked to see him out there more. Especially when you got that, that extra space, I, I really think that that was an opportunity that they missed there. You know, and you could say... They won the game, so who gives a shit, Matt? But I would say this is a development year. Why are we not allowing him to have these opportunities? I think we want him to have these opportunities. I think it's kind of an oversight on Martin St. Louis' part. But we're trying to be positive. All right, Matt? We are trying to be positive. And the big positive, the big takeaway from me was seeing him put at, at full speed putting into play what Adam Nicholas was teaching him in practice. So that's fantastic news for the Habs and for Habs fans is this kid is ready to put in the work. He's ready to try and work on the things that he's not good at and is showing in his game. I mean, how often do you see practice like that actually get put into play on the ice? The last time I can remember seeing that was when Martin Saint-Louis was working with Cole Caulfield on his one-timer for the power play and showing him how to like freeze up the one-timer and fake it and then move to the right and shoot. And then he did it, I think, the very next game after that video came out. I mean, this is an exciting time to be a Habs fan. They're actually working hard on development, and the players are taking to it. Um, I, I know I've said this a million times. I, I really think this team is going to be really good in a couple of years. And this is going to be a big part of it is that they're not just putting these players out there and saying, here, do this. They're showing them. They've got Adam Nicholas really working with individual players, having one-on-one -on -one time with them to try and improve like the small intricacies of their game. Slavkovsky, right from the get-go at the rookie tournament, you could see why 
he was a first overall pick. You could see why he got that kind of shine from the Canadians organization. You could see why uh, Bobrov was banging the table for him when they made that video and they showed everybody kind of giving their thoughts on the first overall pick and why they should pick him. Bobrov was very much uh, into it, talking about him wanting to carry the mail. You could see that in his game, but there were just some areas that, that weren't quite clicking. And that was one of the areas was his play along the walls. Like he would sometimes curl like as if he thought that there was more space between where he was and where the boards actually were. Um, He would also curl sometimes and wind up getting hit real hard along the boards because he's not paying attention, doesn't have his head up. We saw a different Yuri Slavkovsky there. This is exciting. I'm very happy. I was also very happy with Josh Anderson in that game. Um... I predicted that he was going to score the overtime winner. And then, of course, he was the victim of the Tyler Toffoli high stick in overtime uh, and had to go to the room to get stitched up. So, unfortunately, my prediction did not come true. But I will say he played a fantastic game. Uh, one of his best of the season, I would argue. I was surprised that he didn't get a second goal. Even towards the end of the third period, he was buzzing. Um, you know, he, he's the kind of player that when he's on, he's on. When he's not on, it shows. He has a tendency to do that old, you know, skate down the ice real fast and run himself directly into three defenders and lose the puck and it's going the other way and he looks frustrated with himself. Um, Man, there was none of that in this game. He looked great. Um, They had an A on his sweater, so they made him an assistant captain. And he played the part. And if this was a showcase for him, if this was, if the last couple of games, because you saw him get promoted in the previous game to the top line, and I rail against that, I said, no, we should not be playing around with what works don't break up a good thing and you know they didn't do that in this game they put the top line back together as it's supposed to be Anderson played extremely well not being on the top line so if they are trying to showcase him for a trade we need more efforts like that I don't know if they're trying to showcase him for a trade to be clear there's been a lot of chatter about that on on Twitter Uh, we know that teams have been sniffing around about him Dating back to even last year, other teams have been asking about his availability. Um, and they weren't willing to trade him then, so maybe they're not willing to trade him now either. But I'll tell you this, if they get the right offer on the table, they fucking have to take it. You can't sit here holding on to players because you like them. I know, I, I like Josh Anderson too, I'm a big fan. But he is a little bit one-dimensional in what he can do, and he's a little bit hot and cold. You get games like that against Calgary, where he looks fantastic. You also get games like the previous one, where he was an anchor for Suzuki and Caulfield and didn't look even close to effective until he got moved away from the two best players on the team. So he's a weird case. Yes, he's a useful player. Yes, he's absolutely an NHLer, and he's going to continue on his career, whether it's in Montreal or elsewhere. I just think that for the Montreal Canadiens right now, the best thing to do might be to trade him. And... If they are showcasing him, if they are thinking about trading him, more efforts like that will do what? They will drive up the price. And we got to think the price is already pretty high on a guy like him. If they weren't willing to trade him last year when they were the dead last team in the league, this year they're going to be even a little bit more guarded about who they trade and who they don't. So, you know, they're going to get a pretty penny for him if they do it, um, or they're going to insist on a pretty penny anyways. And we'll see if they can actually get it. Again, more efforts like that would go a long way to getting him onto a contender and give him a chance at winning a Stanley Cup and uh, give the Habs a chance at, again, accelerating that rebuild a little bit. Last but not least, certainly not least, I do need to give a shout-out to Jake Allen for that game. 
uh, Jake Allen, magnificent. Jacob Markstrom at the other end was putting on a, a goaltending clinic. And when you have an opposing goaltender that's putting on a clinic like that, you got two options, right? Either play defense like your life depends on it. Try to limit opportunities against your goaltender as much as humanly possible. Or hope that your goaltender is also willing to put on a goaltending clinic. And that's what happened. The second thing, the latter. Jake Allen matched everything. If you're a young goaltender and you watch that game, you saw, man, you saw everything. They made some acrobatic saves, some athletic ones. Uh, We we saw a lot of cross-crease saves. We saw a lot of real scramble saves. Um, we saw a couple of posts get hit, you know, sometimes you got to be lucky to be good. I mean, they, they made every variety of save in that game at both ends. Um, really a great game from both of them. Allen easily could have been my, my player of the game in that one, but I had to go with Slavkovsky just cause I really liked the way that he played. But again, Allen easily could have been it, um, for sure. If he decided to have an off night eh, they're not winning that one. They're, they're not getting to overtime because Markstrom was on. You could say the same thing for Calgary. Right, if if Markstrom wasn't matching everything Jake Allen was doing at the other end, man, that's for sure that game's not going to overtime. The Habs had, uh, I think, this is the first time in like eight games or something that the Habs had over thirty shots in regulation, and then you had a four-minute power play in overtime. I mean, Markstrom, I, I think you could say was the better goaltender, but not by a wide margin. And that's exactly what you need when you have a goaltender that's really hot at one end. Again. Play defense like your life depends on or, or hope that your goaltender can match it. And we saw that. Goaltending battle. And it ends in a shootout. Um, I think I've been going on long enough about this game. Um, hopes, prayers, whatever you want, out to Cole Caulfield. Um, sending all the positive energy you possibly can. Hopefully we see him again on Wednesday. I'm really hoping. Uh, you know, that was a perfect game for me to get two or three more on the countdown to 40. And, of course, got to get that hit. And for anybody who's mad at Trevor Lewis, you know, just take a look at the video again. I've got a clip up on my Twitter. I I really do not think that he did anything wrong there. I think he was just skating for a loose puck, and he happened to run into Caulfield, and he's a bigger guy. That's it. I didn't see anything in that. And I think anybody who listens to this podcast knows that, that if I saw anything, I would be complaining about it. I'd be yelling for a suspension right now. Uh, I've never shied away from that once, have I? So um, take it from me. If you if you don't believe me, you know, take a look at the clip. I really don't think he did anything wrong there. I think all we can do is just, again, hopes, prayers, positive vibes, whatever you believe in. Send him to Cole Caulfield. Hopefully we see him back on the ice as soon as possible. I'm going to cut it off there because we are already running 22 minutes, and I think that's very appropriate in honor of Cole Caulfield. So, c'est une soirée énorme pour les employés de soutien. Uh, we are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate it very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. And, of course, à la prochaine.